You're listening to Cinema Geekly Premium, premium podcast from premium people. Thanks for your support. Is that music? It's a good choice. Hey, well played. We got no ship. I'm a doctor, not a podcast. Cinema Geekly's all-encompassing Star Trek podcast. I'm Anthony Lewis, and I am joined by Ben Knight. Ben, how are you doing? I'm fine. I think it's uh, Fleet Admiral Ben Knight, if you don't mind. Oh, that's right. Fleet Admiral Benjamin Knight of, uh, I don't know, do you have a ship? Do you have a ship that you... Uh, At the moment, I have a ship called the Corinthian. There you go. Hmm. Nice. Uh... Uh, we are sans Aurora. Uh, Aurora would be joining us, but she is recovering from a very long road trip uh, in which she informed me that she was nearly abducted while visiting Roswell, New Mexico. Nice. Uh, I believe she has some pictures of that as well when she visited. I don't know. I can't wait to talk. I'm going to talk to her later tonight when we do Podcasters of S.H.I.E.L.D. because I need to know more about uh, the state of Roswell, New Mexico in 2015 now that, uh, <laughs> now that Area 51, I believe, is not a thing anymore. It hasn't been a thing for years. I don't that doesn't think. stop random BBC Three journalists going out there and seeing if they can get a gun pointed at them, though. Is BBC I'm looking 3, at you, Louis Theroux. Is BBC Three like ESPN Eight or whatever, where they just cover like the the it, like ESPN Eight covers like all of the randomest sports that nobody cares about? <laughs> uh, it it kind of well, no, it's um, it's a kind of youth and alternative uh, strand. Only broadcasts from. Like 6 p.m., I think, until midnight or something. Uh, Family Guy lives there in the UK, amongst other things. Yeah, like, uh, and it's it's going online only soon as well because the BBC has no money. They've spent it all on Doctor Who. <laughs> That's right, all of it. Yep. Uh, yeah, ESPN Eight is where you'd see like Championship Beer Pong and things like that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I was just wondering if that was like the equivalent. Um, so she will come back for uh, for when we do the. The fir- techn- okay, this is technically the first official episode, if you really want to boil it down to details, and Star Trek fans love to boil shit down to details, but um, <laughs> this this is kind of more like a, an episode zero, where we're going to, uh, there are a few things to discuss, Star Trek-wise, but we're also going to let you know how the regular episodes of the podcast are going to work, and Aurora will be joining us uh, for that. Uh, before we start talking about what the podcast is going to be on a regular basis. We should probably talk about what Star Trekky things have been in the news. Uh, you know, probably not since before we started the Cinema Geekly website, because there's been a lot of things that happened Star Trek wise <laughs> since then. Uh, but we're going to talk about uh, really, really, really recent uh, happenings. Uh, the the biggest of which, uh, the uh, the thing of which there is the most substantial uh, information to talk about is the release of the Star Trek Beyond teaser trailer. 
which was, I believe, if memory serves, set to be released before various screenings of Star Wars The Force Awakens uh, on uh, Friday, yesterday, as we were recording this. But uh, Goddamn internet. It leaked. Uh, but to uh, Paramount's credit, they just put it right up. Yeah. Uh, it first, the first I heard of it leaking was actually on uh, a few message boards where they're like, hey, there's this, uh, this German website that they're claiming they claim they're claiming that they have the trailer, but you can only download a copy if you're an exhibitor. So I guess maybe if you work for a theater chain or something in Germany, it's weird that you could access it that way. Usually the films I figure well, send them. Well, yeah, but this is how this is our previous work anyway. Now in 2015, if you're a TV reviewer or a film critic, ah, yeah. um, an awful lot of uh, content is set. You're given a secure um, URL. Yeah, and you can. So access, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not that surprising, I guess. But and then basically, people were scrambling for like, does does anybody have the credentials <laughs> that they could go download this? And, and I love it? that you're like, yeah, people apparently were doing that. I mean, you know, because oh, definitely y- you weren't, were you? Oh, I wasn't. I knew I could. Well, look, I did go to the website and I did try to see if I could download it, but I could not. Um, and then uh, Aaron first posted. Uh, somebody had put it on YouTube, but it was all in German. Uh, and I was not particularly thrilled with the trailer. And then he put up the English translation version, and then about two minutes later, Paramount put up the uh, the full version in English of the trailer, and uh, I was still not overly thrilled. What were your thoughts on the trailer, Ben? I'm afraid I thought the same. Um, I was kind of hoping for a big, you know, kind of big woo moment, and... It wasn't there for me. And the thing is, that's obviously a fairly commonly held view because I noticed that Simon Pegg within 24 hours of that leaking yes. uh, was appearing in places going, no, 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 this, th- that trailer is just a teaser. It tells you basically nothing about this yeah. movie. I, I will, I'll bring that up in, in, a, in a minute because um, mm. I've, I've got a great quote from him. And uh, I've got uh, some quotes as well from the director, Justin Lin, about it as well. Um yeah, for me, and this is not coming from two old-timey, hard-nosed, Jeans Vision, copyright 1969 <laughs> uh, Star Trek fans that if it's not Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, Shatner, uh, Nimoy, and Kelly, then it's not Star Trek. We're not those types of fans. In fact, I believe, Ben, you and I were both uh, sort of fighting uh, back when we did the flawed and decisive Star Trek episode, yeah. we were both fighting for Star Trek into darkness to be the best movie. Uh, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's uh it's, you know, it fluctuates between uh, for me, it fluctuates in between Star Trek six and Star Trek into darkness uh, as my uh, favorite, just depending on how the wind's blowing that day. Uh, but yeah, that is one of my favorite movies. And by the way, uh, not that long ago, a couple of days ago, J.J. Abrams was talking about how frustrated he was with that movie. And he, he still stands by the movie, but he talked about how he had a hard time kind of focusing on getting the story straight and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So it sounds like he was frustrated getting the movie put together. But I still fucking love the movie. It sounds to me like it was forced to have a lot of rewrites. I get the feeling there was a lot of sort of you know, writing by quorum going on. And I think that uh, reading between the lines of what he said, I think that he must've felt that that sort of distanced him from what he was really wanting to do. Yeah. 
Um, and of course, this time round, if if things are to be believed, Simon Pegg has had the absolute opposite experience. They've simply said, "Your turn, mate. Tell us when it's ready." Yeah. Um, and that's a. I, I'm I'm very I'm slightly apprehensive about what he's going to do with that. Mm-hmm. Um, look, if it's by accident that Into Darkness turned out the way it did, then mm. that's a happy accident to me because I love that movie. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, this is not coming from, this is coming from fans of the two JJ movies, uh, that really loved, uh, and I think we're in the minority of, of those fans even, because I think the, the biggest JJ Abrams Trek fans, uh, prefer the first movie to the second movie. So I think we're even in the minority there where I thought the second movie did a better job than the first movie. And I really like that as well. But, um, you know what it is? I think a lot of it is... Um, the music. I love. I I love the Beastie Boys. I love Sabotage. It's a great <laughs> song. I I love that shit. Um, but and you're 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 a score guy anyway, aren't you? So yeah. <laughs> it uh uh the problem with me. I I think maybe it's just been conditioning. I have been conditioned uh through uh watching all of Star Trek. Uh, from the original series up through Enterprise, that modern music like that just is not a thing that exists in that universe. So the first time it popped up in the JJ movies, it was jarring then. Uh, it's still like I've never quite gotten used to it. And then using it as trailer music to hype Star Trek, it just didn't feel right. It felt weird. Like it felt like I was watching a trailer for another movie. Um you could tell that this was very much wanting to put something, uh, if anything, maybe I feel like it's kind of a slap in the face of star Wars fans that they thought like, this is the kind of movie star Wars fans would want to go see. Like they don't want to go see a movie with, uh, you know, a classic epic trailer music score in the background. Um, like so I, so I put you on the, on the spot with a sure. modern, well, a, a music in star Trek question. Sure. Because sometimes I'm I'm impressed by your trivia knowledge, and this this would be an impressive one if you got it. Mm-hmm. You ready? Sure, sure. So in Star Trek: The Voyage Home, mm-hmm. we hear a punk track on a bus. Oh yes. What is it? Um, like you want the name of the song? I don't know if I can remember the name of the song, but I can tell you that the punk playing the song—that's his band, and he's singing that song. And they recorded it for the movie. That's correct. His uh, name being his name being Kirk, oddly enough. Yeah, yeah, he was like a I don't know if he was like a Kirk Thatcher is his name. Yeah, I don't remember if I don't remember what his job was on the production. I don't know if he was just a like an errand boy or anything or if he was part of the production in another way, but uh yeah, it was his band. Uh um, yeah. they put him in the, the scene. band. It's called Edge of Etiquette and the track was called I Hate You. Ah, yes. Well, <laughs> I I guess that kind of makes some sense. Um <laughs> Uh, but the, and that did make sense because they were in the the mid to late. They're in nineteen eighty six. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I mean that that fits. Um, there are just things about this that just. Uh, God, I really don't want to sound like that motherfucker. That's like that's not Star Trek, but it just <laughs> didn't feel like I. You know, I wasn't looking for it to not feel like Star Trek. I just watched it and I'm like, hmm. That I just did not get the feeling I get when I've watched other Trek trailers. Uh, or, you know, anything Trek related. I just did not get the same feeling that I normally get. Uh, it didn't help that there were some things that I saw in this trailer that reawoken memories of 
other mm-hmm. other Trek movies. There was there was just one scene, and it's completely unrelated to anything, I'm sure. But it just, for some reason, when I saw it, it, it reminded me of Star Trek Insurrection, mm-hmm. uh, where all the crew is on a planet uh, instead of on the ship or whatever. And like that just... I'm I'm sure it's completely unrelated in every way, shape, and form, but that's what it rang in my head, yeah. and I'm like, ooh, that movie. And then I saw Kirk, <laughs> and then I saw Kirk on a motorcycle, and I'm like, ooh, the beginning. And then of we Star- saw the now mandatory teleporting whilst in flight um, scene as well. Yeah, that was very action movie. Become a bit of a trope now. That yeah. Oh, well, I mean, and that felt very much like they were definitely. There, there were some rumors going around that they wanted a more Guardians of the Galaxy vibe because of the mm. success of that movie. And I don't blame them for wanting to piggyback on the success of that. Guardians of the Galaxy was awesome. I love that movie. It's made, but it was made, not Star Trek. They're different things. No, it was not a Star Trek movie at all. It was like, uh, it felt like kind of like an Indiana Jones meets Star Wars is what it's exactly what it felt like. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy was. Um, I love that fucking movie. I'm going to watch that again later. Guardians? Yeah. Mm. I love it. Um, uh, you know, the beaming sequence at the end kind of reminded me of that. Uh, Kirk on a motorcycle brought up not only memories of baby Kirk driving a car, which I was not a fan of that scene in particular. And it also reminded me of the fucking Argo chase scene in Star Trek Nemesis where Picard's riding in a dune buggy. Oh, the with, dune buggy. Yeah, yeah, was not a fan of any of that stuff. Um, you see, this is a problem. And then you kind of got the the alien who is simply um humanoid with kind of really unimaginative face painting um yeah uh, some of, people call sort it... of star trek meets the sort of monochrome darth maul until yeah until they um uh, until they uh come up with a name for this lady's character people were calling her the skunk i believe <laughs> um which is you know i think it's I'm, just I'm going to I'm going to stick with monochrome darth maul monochrome darth maul is pretty sweet yeah. as well um, I like the idea of a of a more major character female role in oh yeah big Star Trek, time. especially an ass kicking one, which she appears to be. Uh, Idris Elba is in the trailer, I believe, under a shit ton of makeup and prosthetics. It I looks like, um, and he has uh the most interesting Star Trek line in the trailer, where he says, "This is where the frontier pushes back." Mm. Um. There was a, a a cute Spock McCoy moment in the trailer. There were it wasn't all negative, but uh, there was kind of a cute Spock McCoy moment. But you but... had the same problem, did you? You kind of waiting for the bit where you're like, "Oh, I need to see this movie now," and it kind of wasn't there. Yeah, uh, the Enterprise. It looks like the Enterprise gets destroyed again. Yeah, well, standard. <laughs> well, it's becoming standard. It wasn't standard before. Um, Although so far in the new JJ verse, this is basically all that happens to the Enterprise. It just gets fucked up. Uh, <laughs> that's all the ship can do. Apparently, it has no shields. Uh, I have not seen it win a space battle of any kind. I mean, even uh, in Enterprise, the series, they were coping better, and all they had was polarized hull plating. Yes, mm. and uh, and missiles. I don't even think they had photon torpedoes yet. And a- and a little grappler. How cute. Yeah, they had a little grappling beam. Yeah, they held it. No, no, it wasn't a beam. It was a physical. Oh, no, it was an actual like... grappling hook. Yes. Yeah, like a steel wire. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, uh, well, I'm sure it was some sort of carbon filament or something along those lines. Well, sure. um, uh, they didn't even install a phase cannon until later in the first season, I think. 
mm-hmm. uh, sometime in there. Uh, and that ship did, in fact, fare better. This Enterprise, yeah, I just, uh, I, I feel like that's happened in every movie so far. And that kind of pushed me back a little bit. I'm like, uh, they, they, do they really have to destroy the Enterprise to get the whole crew onto the planet? Like, I don't, I think they could come up with a more creative way to do it, but uh, maybe this will be an excuse for them to come up with a more, now that JJ is not working on the films anymore, uh, maybe this is an excuse for them to come up with a more uh, prime timeline looking Enterprise, I guess, that I wasn't particularly clamming, clamoring for, but I know there's a lot of people who are. Uh, so maybe that's what they're going to do. I don't know. Um, uh, was there anything that you liked in the trailer? We've talked about the things that kind of stuck out to us negatively. Was there anything you enjoyed? Um, do you know what? Other than the fact that it was a teaser for something that I'm sure is going to be better than it suggested, yeah. I was really, really unmoved. I'm go- I tell you what, though. So tonight, as we record uh, in, I don't know, what did I say, four hours or something like that, yeah. uh, I'm going to go and see uh, the new Star Wars movie. So... I will see that trailer, I assume, prior to that film on a big screen. Presumably, and it depends may- on the maybe, market. Yeah. yeah, and maybe I'll feel differently about it then. But um, I'm, kind of, I'm glad it's there. Uh, I'm glad we've not yet hemorrhaged cast members. I'm guessing they've got people signed up, uh, you know, good and tight for a little while. Yeah. Um, eh, I'm, I'm just unmoved, which, which disappoints me. Um, yeah, I've... I've this is the second time this feeling has happened to me is that the, we talked about this on who made who, where uh, we watched sleep no more. And I'm like, I don't know what happened. That was the first time in my life where I was not <laughs> enthralled by a doctor who episode where I found myself checking my phone. Now this is only a minute and a half. I didn't have time to check my phone during this trailer, but it was the first time in my life that I can remember watching something that's like hyping a new star Trek thing where mm. I watched it. And I wasn't like, Oh my God, I didn't get chi- like, like the trailers for uh, Star Trek 09 and Star Trek Into Darkness, I remember getting chills watching them. And even mm. the trailers for Into Darkness weren't as good as the trailers for JJ's first outing. But I remember getting, uh, especially like the teaser trailer for the first one where Leonard Nimoy did like a voiceover and they pull back and they reveal the Enterprise and stuff. I yeah. remember getting chills like, holy shit, that's amazing. Yeah, me too. I had no feelings of amazement watching this. I was just very like, eee. like if if anything, it didn't. I don't know. Let's um, let's talk about the responses here because Justin Lin, who is the director, uh, did respond to this right because there's been a lot of backlash. I find it number one interesting that uh, there's been enough talk about this where the director and the screenwriter both felt the need to comment on the teaser trailer. Mm. Um, so here it is. Uh, this was Justin Lin talking to slash film, um, a guy for slash film was sitting at, uh, in a round table at, at the Paramount lot. And this is what Justin Lin had to say about the idea behind the Star Trek beyond trailer. Um, he says, well, it's a minute and a half and you know, pause. And again, there were other versions that were more traditional. So right there, he says that they had other more traditional trailers that they Mm. had pieced together. Uh, I can see where maybe the hardcore fans could probably see that as, quote, unquote, oh. Uh, But with trailers, you're putting a two-hour movie into a minute and a half. And the one thing I wanted to do is make sure that it hopefully represents that we are trying to do bold 
things and take risks. Whether we are successful or not, I don't know. See, that's the bit that worries me the most about that quote is that if he was saying, look, you know, this was a two minute trailer for, uh, you know, for release, um, uh, you know, that might strike a chord with the audience of another franchise. And so we picked out the things that would strike the chords with the people who, you know, are there to watch that movie. I'd say, oh, fuck, thank fuck for that, because really, that's what I thought you were doing. Him saying, you know, well, at least it shows we're doing something bold makes me think, yeah, what we're doing is turning Star Trek into basically an alternative universe Star Wars. And those two things are are different things. Um, This was always the risk that people feared, wasn't it, with, um, you you know, effectively the same group of people in control of both franchises um, or the same sort of, uh, well, the same studio behind them and so on as well. Mm -hmm. It does worry me. What was the other quote? Um, well, let me, let me finish this up. He says, um, this was something I was excited to do with uh, taking risks, obviously something I was excited to do with collaborators like Simon Pegg and Doug Jung, uh, writers with a passion for the franchise, uh, and that passion will be there regardless. So however it's presented, yeah, it's a minute and a half. And my challenge to everyone making the trailer is about saying, let's not go off course. I'm not afraid to share this. I feel like we have the goods in our two hour run. Uh, that you really get to know the characters, and hopefully the journey is great. I love it. The cast did a great and amazing job. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, the inside baseball version of the creation of this track was pretty condensed uh, in how you usually make a movie of this size, and I wanted us to be bold. I wanted us to take chances, and hopefully in a minute and a half, we were able to convey that we did that. Uh, Slash Film goes on to say, as for fans who think Lynn might have made Fast and Furious uh, <laughs> in space... Lynn understands where the criticism is coming from. And this is another quote that I thought was fairly interesting and kind of comical. He says, yeah, uh, and I don't know if that's the case here. When I saw the teaser, I'm like, ah, shit. You really have to put the motorcycle in there? So I get it. I get it. I get it. Uh, Because basically when that motorcycle thing came up there, I'm like, oh, God, here come the Fast and Furious in, in space shit. Here it comes. Mm-hmm. They put a Fast and Furious director in there, and there's a guy on a motorcycle, so here comes all of the shit. Um, he, uh, so when someone else brings up the shot that looks reminiscent of, of a character from Fast and Furious flying through the air from one of those films, uh, Lynn smiles and smirks. Yeah, well, I am who I am. Uh, he also commented on the music choice. Uh, and he's he's not wrong, but it doesn't make it less jarring to me. Uh, he says, it's in the DNA of this canon. It was in the 2009 Trek, and we went through different iterations of the teaser, and I wanted to make sure whatever uh, we are using here, um, that uh, they are elements from the film. It's been a part of Kirk's journey, so I felt it was very organic, and it will ultimately be in the finished film. So apparently that wasn't just for the trailer. Apparently he'll be playing that in the scene as well. Uh mm. So, yeah, um, he does have a history with Star Trek, obviously. Um, He's done interviews where he's talked about how it was a big part of his childhood growing up and he watched Star Trek. And and, and it was with Peg, too, you know, so Um, it it would be really weird if these guys made a bad movie. Peg was less diplomatic. Uh, Yes, he he was. He spoke to uh, a UK site called Hey You Guys! Yeah, um, well-known UK site. Yeah. Uh, he's is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I'm guessing some sort of movie blog. Yeah. Uh, so this is his quote where he was less diplomatic. Uh, well, he started out 
kind of diplomatic and then veered off into Simon Pegg just being honest. Uh, it was very action-packed. I was... It was surprising. I found it to be kind of... The marketing people sort of saying, everybody come and see this film. It's full of action and fun. When there's a lot more to it than that. I didn't love it, which, holy shit. Mm. He just came out and said, I didn't love it because I know there's a lot more to this film. There's a lot more story and there's a lot more character stuff and a lot more of what I would call Star Trek stuff. But you know, they've got to bring in a big audience. They've got to bang the drum. So to Star Trek fans, I'd say, hang in there. Be patient. You see, I trust that. Yeah. That's a holy shit. Like, you rarely Mm. see people... I mean, not only is he an actor in the film, he wrote the script for the movie, and he's like, yeah, as a Star Trek fan, I didn't like this trailer either. Just hold on. We'll get you a good trailer. Just give us another... This is the way trailers work and the way studios operate and distributors insist on things these days, isn't it? Agreed. Yeah. Um, I kind of don't... I mean, I know it kind of took all the... You know the surprise out of movies uh, back then, and I guess the internet's kind of made them a little bit redundant. But some days I really long for those, you know, mid to late eighties style trailers. Yes, the ones that went, "Here's this film. Here's far more of it than you really kind of need to see in a trailer." But it gives you, you like, know for sure you are coming coming to see this shit as soon as it is out now. It gives you the most basic to... outline as opposed to the whole story. It gives you the inner world. Uh, yeah. it does that stuff and. It gives Sometimes you the- I miss that shit. I really do. <laughs> yeah, me too. Uh, well, look, I mean, I've got uh, I've got uh, a, a lovely high definition copy of because uh, I'm a trailer nut as well. I actually I'm one of those people that has a folder on their computer full of movie trailers because nice. I just like to watch movie trailers. And I've got a lovely high definition version of the Wrath of Khan trailer. Oh, lovely! And it is a fantastic trailer. Yeah, that does not really tell you anything about the movie, but gets you excited to watch it mm. uh, by putting in some great scenes, some great moments of dialogue, and it's got some great narration, kind of telling you like what's you know like what the overall premise is. It was a good synopsis. You. It felt like a publisher's synopsis, didn't it? Mm. Um, which was you know that was the style, I guess, in the eighties, like the theatrical trailer for Ghostbusters as well. You know, it felt like a theatrical. Sorry, it felt like a, a publisher's synopsis, and it's yeah. it. I like that stuff. The people trying to be a little bit too marketing, a little bit too... Um, I know that sounds like a stupid thing to say because the trailer's an advert and advert's marketing, but just... Ugh, I don't know. If it was made to, to appeal to the Star Wars audience to broaden up its appeal, I, I can live with it, and I hope Peg's right. Mm-hmm. Um, I Look, my uh, when people uh, were asked... Because Jen, the first thing Jen was like, hey, well, what did you think of it? She's like, I thought it looked fun, but she's more of a casual... Fan mm-hmm. and it's like I don't like the trailer, but I still think the movie is going to be good. Yeah, because uh, I trust Simon Pegg. We need uh, to believe, Anthony. Yes, we do. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not even like a you know, like I really, really hope it's good. I really firmly think it is going to be just fine. Uh, this was just a poor trailer choice. Um, that's all. Uh, Star Trek Into Darkness put out four full length trailers, and not all of them were great. Trends, uh yeah. so two of them i think were really good uh but two of them were you know just i can't just there was there. one of them that, that worried you a bit and i remember i, I, I had 
I don't know if I was talking to her or if it was on the the regular Geekly show. I can't remember which. Yeah. But I remember you talking about it, and I was thinking, yeah, yeah, I watched it and just thought, oh no, they've already fucked it, and it's only a film in. Yeah. It, it really upset me, and then the the next one came out, and I was a lot happier about it. Yeah, and it was it just. And we're all secretly waiting for the moment that Janeway pops up in some weird cameo role. Let's to be honest. Oh, absolutely, yeah. As uh, as as one of her distant relatives that she also looks exactly like. And yeah, sounds yeah, exactly yeah. like yes. Yeah, I love that. Um, okay, well, so... she's 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 into temporal mechanics and uh, uh, you know wibbly wobbly timey wimey Star Trek style. So Indeed. you know yeah, it's yeah. all that, it's all possible. <laughs> uh, so here's something that uh, oh, look, this is something I've already talked ad nauseum about on the regular Cinema Geekly podcast, and people can go back and listen to that. But uh, I'm curious to get your take on the uh, the announcement of a brand new Star Trek series. Woo! Which, uh, and I'm curious, not only because I haven't heard your thoughts on it yet, but uh, because you're going to be living in a very different world than the rest of us Mm -hmm. Americans here, because uh, for Americans, it's going to be this brand new Star Trek TV series on CBS All Access. But (laughs) for the rest of the world, they are distributing it as a regular television show to air on regular television channels. Apparently so, yeah. Uh, Uh, And I don't know which channel's taking it here yet. I don't think it's been announced yet. what Um, What is Star Trek traditionally shown on? Well, BBC Two carried Next Generation um, for for the longest time, and then it moved to oh, somebody will tell me where it is now. Channel Five, I think, which is that's where TV shows go to die. Um, Yeah, rerun. Voyager. Voyager. I don't think I'm not even sure Voyager ever got a rerun. If it did, it was probably on Channel Five, or um, or it might have been. I tell you what, it was probably the Horror Channel, rather weirdly. Yeah. Um, It was. Yeah, it was one of these sort of the arse end of the digital spectrum. Now, I think. I think this new series might might appear somewhere else. It's weird though because it feels like it's the sort of show that that should be a Netflix series or a Prime series or something. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm happy that it's going to be a network show, but uh, I, I mean, I'll be pissed if it ends up on Sky or something over here because I mean, that's oh, that's where Enterprise, of course, that's where Enterprise yeah. when it first landed here, it was on Sky. And it may, if that's where the last Star Trek franchise uh, show ended up, they may be yeah. maybe. Uh, CBS still has some sort of working relationship with Sky, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe. I mean, it's all Murdoch bullshit, isn't it? But um, uh, I, parents, I'm, I'm very excited about the show. My parents love so... Well, but, sorry, love which show? The, are you talking about the, isn't it Murdoch Mysteries or something? No, no, as in Rupert Murdoch. He ends, oh, Rupert he ends Murdoch. Sky. I thought you were talking about the Murdoch Mysteries. Uh, no, no, no. Actually, now that I think about it, that might be a Canadian show. Uh, so I take that back. Um yeah, so are you uh look, we don't know anything about it, but let are me you ask just you... about to ask me the question, are you excited in any way about the prospect of a new Star Trek series? No, I'm not going to I'm ask so you that. No, pleased you're not going to ask I know that. the answer to that. As Star Trek fans, we all know that television, <laughs> the television format is Star Trek's proper home. It's where it lives, baby. Uh, yeah. Star Trek is all about character development. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and that's not to be like, oh, Star Wars isn't about character. Uh, the thing is, Star Wars doesn't do very complex character development. Although Star I... Wars is a, is a soap opera, it's you know, it's a I'll... a big overblown epic soap opera, right? Although I've heard that the characters in the new movie are far more complex than any of the other characters we have met before. Yes, I think that'll be an improvement. That being said, um, the movie format is not specifically designed for long term character development you can develop a character in the span of a movie but you Mm. can't long-term uh character development is where star trek lives that's its wheelhouse and 
uh, you know, that's where it does its best work. Uh, so, and Star no, Trek's not... grown up as well because although uh, and we're, we're probably going to talk about this fairly soon in terms of the original series and stuff, but although there were some story arc elements in um, earlier Star Trek, uh, gradually as the series, uh, the series as in the various different shows, mm-hmm. uh, went on. I mean, by the time you hit DS Nine. I mean, which is a, it's a litmus test for a real Star Trek fan, isn't it? DS Nine is that yes. DS Nine is looking at the um, the mechanics of you know the, the the complex politics of the Federation, and you suddenly realise that you're reminded that Starfleet is an army; it's a it's a military operation. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it serves, yeah. It's a multi it's a multi tool. Uh, yeah, it's scientific exploration. It's primarily about but it, peace, but, it but it's also militaristic as well. Well, yeah, but in DS Nine, I mean, the, the sheen kind of rubs off, and you, oh, you yes. do get more and more touches of that. Actually, this is just an army um, in places. You know, the, the scientific and exploration stuff is largely to do with military advantage. Yeah. Um, it's uh, yeah, and that's that's cool because that's the sort of thing you can do with a show like that. That yeah. I mean, you could never do that in a in a series of films, even. Um, so the, the opportunity to to explore, you know, the stuff that's moved on. I mean, in Star Trek, we know nothing about this new series, but assuming it's, um, assuming it's in the, the the old universe, if you like, rather than the new, uh, so much has happened. If you're a follower of um, Star Trek Online, which is now taken to be, uh, I think, largely taken to be canon, um, the we've we've not had stuff like the Iconian War um, in any of the TV series or films, and that is a big fucking story. Yes. Um, there's a lot of kind of temporal stuff in there that needs to be explored further. There's uh, the stuff with the Undine and, you know, <laughs> how uh, we and the Borg have a similar problem with them uh, and how that sort of uh, how that advances and the infiltration of the Klingon Empire and all this stuff. So there's there's some big, big stories. And I just hope that I don't know anything about the show, but I really hope that they're not going to try and reinvent the wheel here. They need to remember what Star Trek does. Yeah. And try and do it well. And all these things, they're a labor of love. The, the fight it must take to get a commission for a new series of a new Star Trek series mm-hmm. must just be incredible. So I'm guessing the people doing this know what they're there for. Right. So to me, there's a, there's a, the show does not debut until January 2017. Mm. So we have... Uh, a year plus, uh, a year plus a few weeks. So there's a lot, obviously everything is speculatory up until this point. Uh, but presuming we're still doing this podcast in a year, uh, we will definitely be talking about this show. No, oh, yeah. no ands if or, or, or buts for sure. But um, there are, there are a few things. So uh, thing the first is uh, it, it was announced that Alex Kurtzman is the EP on the show. Um, and in television, that usually means he's the showrunner. Yeah. Um it's his show. Uh what type of showrunner he's going to be, I don't know because there are ty- there di- there are different types. There are types where uh he's the showrunner and everything is his baby and, and every- everything can kind of boil down to the showrunner and then there are types where it's a little more free range and it's he's got people to his left, he's got people to his right and it's more of a collaborative effort. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know which he's going to be. Kurtzman has done television before. Uh, so the, it's, it's him and Heather Caden, uh, are serving as executive producers. Um, she has, her credits do not impress me. Uh, she has a bunch of shows that made it to series, like actually made it to television, but looks like they didn't last past one season. 
so I don't know how I feel about that. Um, Kurtzman, I don't think Kurtzman... Is, I, I think Kurtzman is more of a fan of Star Trek than, say, like Damon Lindelof was. Uh, mm-hmm. So at least he's not running the show. Um, but it's it's hard to tell. Uh, do you... Does does the announcement of of Alex running the show does that uh, is that like a thumbs up for you or a thumbs down or like a thumbs in the middle? I think it's pro- I think it's thumbs in the middle because the uh, he he is a guy who knows what he's doing. Um, he he's as close as you're going to get for a, a risky venture, which Star Trek, despite being you know the probably one of the biggest television shows in history, um, is. Yeah. It's still a risky venture because it is, whether we like it or not, it's still it's still kind of niche. Um, yeah. So that being the case, we're never going to get, you know, a big, safe pair of TV hands. Um, I think that he's the best we can hope for in that in that front um, on that front, rather. But equally, that he is enough of a fan to um, to know what he's doing. He's got to strike a, a really precarious balance here um, to make the show successful uh, with a wider audience or at least a wide enough audience. Cause you know, again, it's never going to become Star Trek is never going to be game of Thrones. You know, we, we all need to accept that. Yes. Uh, and networks need to accept it, but they've taken a chance here. And again, that's not something that a network, even that network would do lightly. Um, no. the real trick is going to be seeing how they get the show into uh the public consciousness yeah because for example i mean but this is the you know the the thing people always say about enterprise isn't it as a series that by the time that became part of the public consciousness it was axed just as it found its feet everyone went oh what's that oh it's gone well that's why i saw people clamming they're like oh manny Cotto should be the the showrunner Mm. because he was they gave manny the the reins to enterprise in its last season yeah and you could probably make a pretty good argument that that was also enterprise's best season yeah, without a doubt. Um, so people, but I don't, I don't think they're going back to that old guard. Uh, okay, so the next question to you, I, I believe, and it's probably the most important question, and it's also, is it, is it whether Tim Russ is going to be in this series too? No, uh, well, maybe. Uh, we'll probably see. is it, the answer to that. It sort of ties into the. It sort of ties in. Well, I guess he, he could be in it one way or the other, um, but it is a fairly important question, and the answer uh, to me, there's really no wrong answer, but both answers have uh, uh, their pros and their cons. Uh, so is it in the prime universe or in the JJ universe? The, the selection of Kurtzman as EP for the show leads me to heavily believe that it will be in the new JJ verse. Yeah. I, I think that's probably true. And I, I really am worried by that. But then again, I mean, do you know what? The the particular universe doesn't trouble you so much as the timing because if we're going back through, you know, it's 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 like the Batman's mother's pearls falling on the floor. It's like, uh, you know, mm. Spider-Man origin. It's 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 the whole thing. We've seen this. Let's just move the fuck on. If we are now going back to, um, you know, sort of first contact era with the Vulcans or the war with the Klingons, or to be honest, even if we're going back to, yeah, um, you know, the war with the Romulans and, uh. You know, it's it's all kind of been done, and I know you know there's the new Romulus um, sort of stories that you know can be run from here and stuff, and that's sure. fine. But uh, I I kind of think Voyager had just finished taking us to somewhere really quite interesting, 
mm-hmm. um, we'd you know the the universe had suddenly got a lot fucking bigger. Um, yeah, and we've now got the plot devices to expand that even further. We've got some fairly you know some some races with some really good groundwork laid. I just worry that if we're going to go into the new universe again with the series that we're going to because we've got to travel so far back in the timeline now that uh, it's going to be a retelling and I'm, I wouldn't say I'm sick of it because obviously I'm not I just don't think it bears telling again it yeah. was done well the first time yeah I mean now obviously if they stick to the JJ verse I'm guessing it would probably be parallel uh, time wise to mm. the movies but it would obviously yeah. be another crew and another ship. Um, but you're right. Uh, you, and sure, yes. Kirk Kirk and company in their three years of the original series uh, did not explore everything there was to explore and tell every story there was to tell. But uh, at the same point, we have been through a lot of that. One of the pros, obviously, is that uh, it's the new universe, so they can kind of tell things however they want to tell them mm. uh, without too many constraints put on them. Um, a, a takeaway from that obviously is the time frame that the show could possibly be placed in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also seems like it would be next to impossible to get anybody from the movies to appear on the show. Oh yeah, not um, a chance. Most of those people are, in fact, big movie stars. Some of them are. I mean, Zachary Quinto uh, has been on television a lot. Yeah, but he's not been back to horror story since he got the current gig, has he? No, that is true. <laughs> um, it is also theoretically possible that it could be in the new timeline, but set in the future, way after the events of mm. uh, original uh, or of this timeline's uh, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy. That would be that would be more interesting, uh, mm. I think. Uh, I guess uh, next to that, you've got the the option of setting it in the in the prime universe, the original universe. Um, to me, the biggest con of doing it there is you're sort of uh, immediately handcuffed by all of the previously established events that have happened. Um, so that sort of handcuffs you. Have but the canon's the- so strong in Star Trek. I mean, it oh, kind of lives is, yeah. by it. it. It is. Well, I mean, despite well, I mean, except for where it isn't. I mean, there's there well. there are some parts that definitely contradict, uh, especially anything from the original series. Uh, but that's before yeah. they realized there would ever be a canon. Well, this, uh, you know, in in the new universe, I guess maybe the Klingons will never have the incident that they don't speak about. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, <laughs> with, with some sort of furry animal. Uh, well, no, I'm thinking about the ridges. Oh, I was going to say the ridges as well. I thought you were talking yeah. about the 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 maybe the Great Tribble Wars. Uh, no, no. Would, the, by the way, great. Although episode, that that I was about to say, there's an episode that really needs to happen. Great double <laughs> episode where the Klingons <laughs> invade the Tribble homeworld. Um, mm. Boy, what an episode that would be. That would be about a five-minute episode. It's, it's it's in the online story arc. <laughs> oh, shit, is it? That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it like a cutscene where just some ships appear in orbit and just torpedo the shit out of it from orbit? There is there is a Trouble with Tribbles uh, episode where you uh, amazing. have to go and deal with a bit of a Klingon issue on the Tribble homeworld. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, it's, it's just that I could see from a creative standpoint, knowing that... You know, we can't do this thing without going back and looking to see if it affects with anything previously established, et cetera, et cetera. I, I could see that maybe being a hindrance. Uh, to me, a, a far bigger positive, uh, and yes, it would be relying heavily on nostalgia, 
is all the people you could get to cameo in episodes. <laughs> I don't know if you could get Patrick Stewart anymore. Maybe you could. I mean, he does animated voiceover work sometimes. Maybe he would be interested in doing something like that. But all the people who aren't gigantic movie stars uh, that are beloved Star Trek figures that you could get to show up in the show are Well, I hear numerous. Tim Russ is, is literally stood outside the studio where they're going to film it next year and is banging on the door right yeah. now. I think he's making episode two of Renegades right outside of uh, Paramount <laughs> Studio, just in case uh, yeah. if they come knocking, he's right there. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there are pros and cons. I don't really have a preference. I, I guess, like, the super nerd in me would be like, I kind of wish it would be in the Prime Universe just because I never – I don't want that to ever end, although I know why it did and I understand why it did and it was perfectly valid why they decided to re to sort of reboot, do a soft reboot. I, I Those are all perfectly valid reasons, but the inner nerd in me is still like, eh, I kind of don't really care about their business model and making money <laughs> or anything. I just kind of want to see where my stories continue. I suppose um, if they do the new universe, there will be at some point an episode where um, there is a cross-dimensional occurrence and we pop back into the uh, prime universe michael and Dorn can have his captain wharf episode yeah exactly and it's going to be you know that's going to be a good episode it probably won't be but by god it'll be fun um <laughs> you know like the ds9 episode that goes back to the original series in fact talking of tribbles there you go um you can see admiral reg barkley it'll be awesome <laughs> the uh, <laughs> uh so yeah i overall i'm super excited for it until we get more details about it and then you know we gotta weigh it accordingly but mm. for the time being i am way more excited for this than i am for star trek beyond at this point which should mm. not be the case since one is imminently closer than the other uh Tr trust in peg trust in peg hashtag trust in peg uh yeah. that might be the episode title <laughs> uh, for this, since we won't be, uh, since all the other episode titles will be based on what she's in a Star Trek we're discussing. So yeah, hey everybody! Now that you've sat through that, we can tell you what we really must start the show. Yeah, yeah. We now we can start the show proper. Um, so what this show is going to be on a regular basis, and we will bring up Star Trek news if there is Star Trek news to discuss. Um, but what we're going to be doing for the time being. Uh, until there's a new movie that has been officially released and we've all seen it, or a new television show that's been officially released and we've all seen it, uh, we're going to talk about past Star Trek stuff. And you can probably join in with us because we're not going to... Uh, I know uh, right now somebody's thinking, oh my God, but there's like 9,000 episodes of Star Trek. And yes, there is a lot. Um, so that is not what we're going to do. We're not going to cover this one uh, episode at a time. We're not going to cover <laughs> it two episodes at a time. We're not even going to cover it three episodes at a time. We are going to to discuss three episodes um, from a season. And then we'll probably talk a little bit about that season in general uh, and our thoughts on, uh, uh, on that particular season of Star Trek. But we are just going to pick three episodes from a season and we'll discuss those episodes. They can be any episode uh, that we choose. The order of selection uh, is, uh, is going to be randomized uh, every episode and, um, I don't think anybody is knowing, well, the, I know what Aurora's pick is, but that's only because she couldn't be here and she sent me what her pick is. Um, but otherwise we are not going to know what the other person is picking. So we're going to probably put, uh, more than one choice down in case our favorite is chosen before we get a chance. Um, so we're going to, I'm going to let you know what our picks are for episode two which will be uh, the discussion of Star Trek, the original series, season one. All of these shows, by the way, 
for the time being, uh, as far as right now, everything is available on Netflix uh, and I believe Amazon and Hulu, I think. Yeah. Uh, so if you've got any of those, you can go watch those episodes with us and then come back and listen to us uh, discuss. Uh, or, uh, of course, uh, info at cinemageekly.com. People can chime in with their own thoughts and opinions. And I'm uh, going to check where they are in the UK as well whilst we're talking. Because Star Trek fans, if anything, have opinions about Star Trek. <laughs> and probably all of the DVDs of uh, the series anyway, so I don't really know why I'm looking for them. Yeah, I mean... But I'm going to help. For me personally, I have everything on either DVD or Blu-ray. Uh, yeah, yeah. So in case my internet goes down, I can still watch Star Trek whenever I feel like it. Um, okay, so uh, we're going to be... Uh, the the first official episode, we are going to be talking about Star Trek, the original series, season one, uh, which uh, was broadcast between September 8th, 1966, and April 13th, 1967. Uh, this was... Uh, by the way... Uh, the show that almost didn't happen. I'm sure Ben is aware of this story. Most mm. Star Trek fans are aware of this story. And I believe it is actually uh, a lot of credit is given to Lucille Ball, I think, even. Uh, because she loved The Cage, which was the first pilot they made with Jeffrey Hunter as Captain Pike, and there was no Captain Kirk. Spock smiled and wasn't very Vulcan-like. <laughs> um, there were some differences. Although, to that show's credit, they had Majel Barrett as the first mm-hmm. officer in that show, uh, which is a shame. It's something they did not stick with. Um, but she does, you know, she, does. she is omnipresent thereafter. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. been in every iteration since. Um, yeah, so uh, I think what it was is that Lucy saw the pilot. Like They were like, nah, this is for smart people. We need something for dumber people. Uh, and they, they called it too cerebral. Too cerebral. They used. Yeah. yeah. Um, and which it really isn't, but maybe for that time in television, it was, um, and, uh, she loved it and she used her not insignificant pull and got them to allow a second pilot to be made, which was where no man has gone before. Uh, even though that episode aired third, I believe, uh, it was the second pilot and that got the show off and running. Um, okay. So, um, I have my pick. Ben, do you have your picks in front of you? I do. Okay, so Aurora gets first pick, then Ben, and then myself. Okay. Uh, I can tell you right now that Aurora's pick is season one, episode 28, ah! The City on the Edge of Forever, which of course. Uh, was written by Harlan Ellison, is probably the best of the original series. So, but of uh, course. Uh, ben, what... Was that your first? Uh, <laughs> yeah, by a mile. It was also my first pick by a mile as well. Yeah. Um, hmm. Now, um, my second choice. I'm going to stick with the way I wrote them down, even though I kind of rethink it every time I look at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, episode 26, "Errand of Mercy." Oh wow, that is an which interesting is a choice. It's a it's an odd choice, um, but. If I understand our format properly, we're not necessarily saying they're the best episodes so much as we're saying that they are episodes that... Would be the most are, interesting to talk about, perhaps? Yeah, they're, they're worth talking about. Okay. Um, boy, that really frees it up. I did not have Errand of Mercy on my list. Are you going to go for Rapey Rapey Khan? But I only put down three. No. 
Um, <laughs> Space Seed is my Space Seed was my number three choice. Mm. Uh, mine as well, actually. Yeah. My my number two choice uh, actually is one of the episodes that occurs within the first seventeen episodes, which is not a great going. Uh, but my pick is uh, episode fourteen, Balance of Terror. Balance of Terror. Uh, mm. The first time we meet the Romulans, uh, yes, as well, um, and definitely the first, the first is that the first cloaking device as well. I believe so, and also uh, the very first thing that essentially made it impossible for Enterprise to act as a prequel to the original series. <laughs> um, and it and it's also, by the way, by a happy accident because I didn't even look at this because they also have the air dates. This aired on what would have eventually become my birthday. Uh, however, it was in 1966, uh, many years before I was actually born. Um, but it did it did air on December 15th, 1966. I had no idea that that's when that episode aired. Uh, not my favorite episode of the first season, because that's uh, City on the Edge of Forever, as it is yeah. probably everybody's favorite from that season. But uh, yeah, so we're all... On, we're probably going to need to deal with the angry, angry people saying, why did you not pick episodes 11 and 12, uh, Menagerie or The Cages? Let's be honest, we really know it. Um, first two-parter in mm, Star Trek. Part-er. And of course, utterly, utterly under control of uh, Gene Roddenberry. Yeah, uh, the Menagerie, yeah, and the only reason that's a two-parter is because they wanted to use the cage footage. Yeah. Uh, and... I don't know if there were other reasons where they're like, uh, I don't know if there was some sort of writing issue going on, and they're like, let's just use this. Case. I can tell you, I can tell you why it was. Okay. Um, the reason was that the special effects that they were using to make the series up to episode ten. Ah, the, did they because... use up most of their budget? It wasn't just the budget; they were, it was the timing. Um, they were taking so long in post ah. that uh, I think the carbamite maneuver, which I think is episode ten, I think, mm-hmm. um, ended up only being in the hands of the network three days before it was due to be aired, which is not acceptable that's in network very, television. Yeah, that's a um, very short turnaround for that. Sort they of thing. they made the menagerie uh, part one and two um, with one week production. Because of course they already had the cage, and so it was and kind of can, yeah. thing. Yeah, uh, and it was it was to buy time because otherwise the show was being threatened with being cancelled because they didn't think that the show would be able to keep the pace up to the end of the series. Right. Uh, and then, and then the episode after the menagerie is a non special effects heavy episode uh, as well. Conscience of the, of the King. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Tarsus Four and Kodos or what a oh, Kang yeah. or whatever. Uh, I think it's, isn't it Kodos? I think it's Governor Kodos. Uh, Kodos, Oh, yeah. it's, or Kang or whatever, yeah. Whenever I see it, it's just, I, all I can think of is, don't blame me, I voted for Kodos. And whenever I hear Kang, I always think of um, Sylvester McCoy, Doctor Who. <laughs> the, uh, the uh, so, okay, so that's what we're picking. Um, everyone can go onto the YouTubes or wherever uh, and watch them. We're going to be discussing uh, the season as a whole, but uh, that will be after we talk. Uh, about specifically the city on the edge of forever, errand of mercy, and balance of terror. We're probably we don't necessarily have to go in order because pretty much everything in original series Star Trek were standalone episodes. <laughs> they were not serialized, and no Except way. Except errand of like... mercy really potentially fucked up the entire story. <laughs> oh yes, uh, I mean, well, they're not like, uh, but they're, these stories aren't like in any way tied together. I, I think like once we get to like next gen or Deep yeah. Space Nine. We'll have to talk about them in order because so many of them tie into one another. Um, so, 
yeah, here it's less important. We may just go with the, uh, although I think we should probably go with the order they aired in anyway, I think just for the sake of, of sameness. So we'll talk Balance of Terror, then Errand of Mercy, then we can cap it off with City on the Edge of Forever, which will be a nice capper um, to that. Okay, so before we go, Ben, I do believe we have enough time to uh, at least introduce people <laughs> to this concept, uh, that if you don't listen to uh, the Who Made Who podcast, I believe, I don't remember when we introduced this. Uh, uh, it, was, it was this series. Uh, I, I, I don't remember if it was, I think it maybe was a couple of episodes in. Yeah, I think so. I'm not sure, but uh, we started playing this game called the <laughs> How Much Does This Doctor Who Thing on eBay or Etsy Cost? Um, <laughs> it's a catchy title for a feature, I think. Yes, uh, where Ben finds us amazing things that people have made on usually Etsy, and then it's usually up to Aaron and myself to kind of guess uh, closest uh, what the price of this uh, item is, and we're going to do something similar in a very similar segment called How Much Does This Star Trek Thing on Etsy Cost? <laughs> And um, there's some cracking stuff there. So if you have ever wondered, for example, um, you know how much it would cost to buy a, a painting uh, in watercolor and ink of uh, Captain Picard as a narwhal, then you know look no further because I can help oh, you with that. Or, or Riker, for that matter. Yeah. If you'd ever wanted to know how much a weird, creepy Borg monster head sculpture um, thing that came from uh, Italy cost, well, I can help you with that too. And if you've ever wondered what it would look like to have a slightly skeletal-faced version of main characters from uh, Star Trek uh, painted on a flask, well, I'm your man. So uh, weird. we'll play that game. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Shit's a lot weirder with this. On, Doc- on Doctor Who, for those who missed it, we did manage to find a TARDIS butt plug. But here, I think things are going to get weirder quicker. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I guess we'll probably just do... I, I, I Maybe pick your best item. I think we'll just do like one item so people get... Do you want one today? The idea. Yeah, we'll do okay. one. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. I'll go with one of the ones I've teased. A nice, easy one, I think. Um, let's have... Actually, let's have um, Picard Nowell. Mm, I was hoping. <clears throat> I know. Uh, five by seven archival print of a watercolor and ink illustration signed by the artist. Copyright Haley Kazat, 2010. A handmade item, materials watercolor ink, ships worldwide from United States. This has 161 reviews, and it has five stars, which I know... It's hard to believe. Uh, <laughs> and it is. It, you know, it, it does what it says on the tin. It is Captain Picard as a Noel. Wow. Uh, I don't know why. Is it in uniform? Yes. Oh. Um, it is in a close approximation of late next generation uh, uniform. Excellent. Hmm. It's very nice. Uh, do you want to take a guess? Uh, it's an original piece of artwork, yeah. Well, apparently so. Uh, oh, sorry, it's an archival print. Sorry, archival print. So it is not the original piece. No. It is a print, a copy. It's the same price as an Ewok novel, or even a Yoda novel, or uh, Worf, Riker, Data, Darth Vader, because people uh, pan franchise here. Uh, Ziggy Stardust. Oh and, wow, um, Santa. So you know, weirdly enough, she. Didn't go with the most obvious choice, which would be uh, uh, Tarunga Leela as a narwhal, which was actually a plot point in Futurama. I know. Well, it's probably there somewhere. But she did go for the slightly um, less root one, Super Soaker Rambo narwhal. So, wow. but these are, yeah, yeah. These are all the same price. 
So, uh, uh, come on. It's a nice simple one. We'll keep this it's, easy. It's a, it's a print. I'm going to say $45. Oh, you see, this is a bug. I've not got my buzzers this week that I'd normally uh, have on, on our show. Yeah, we'll get the buzzers prepared for next week. We will. We will. Um, and then, this is only $12. US Wow. Okay. So, yeah. it was. So, if you're looking for that last minute present for someone um, see it. that you know, <laughs> I'm kind of desperate then, to see this. Yeah, oh, oh, yes. Of course, I'll send it to you. Yeah. Hang on a second. Here we go. Uh, we like to do this on this feature on uh, Doctor Who because you can then hear the reactions. sometimes truly horrendous reactions. <laughs> <laughs> Go back and listen to the one we did for the Cybermen costume. Oh my goodness, sir. Do, do you like that, that Noel? That is incredible. Indeed it is. As in, it is hard to credit. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Oh my god, it's so derpy looking. Uh, the it's <laughs> what it is. It's the mouth. The mouth really kills it for me. Uh, nice. Oh my, it's very nice. I really expected it to look more flesh tony Captain Picardish. Mm-hmm. Got... The only one that seems to be flesh toned is Data, rather ironically. <laughs> the uh, uh, look, the Wharf Narwhal one is is that just looks like Wharf with a narwhal horn. Yes, it does. The Riker, so that... <laughs> the Riker one is actually maybe derpier looking because of the beard and the hair. Oh, there's some Geordie LaForge ones in there too. Oh. Do you know people, you need these in your lives. If you haven't got one of these, because I, I did genuinely, I put my money where my mouth was last week on Doctor Who, um, and I now, in fact, I have it right here, the Monster Stationery set from Doctor Who Adventures. It has which arrived. Features, well, it has, and it features a cool pencil case, two pencils, Monster Topper, which is a Weeping Angel, incidentally, and... Um, uh, Cyberman eraser that says delete on it. Do you see what they've done there? Do you see? Ah. Oh yeah, and it's a mighty set for puny humans, according to the thing. Strax. So yeah. sometimes I do buy random shit from this game. How I dare you refer to not buy a novel? How dare you refer to Strax as the thing, sir? <laughs> he would be very displeased with that. Well, I always forget his name, so he's just potato guy, isn't he? And he'd probably call you girl as well because he seems to mix up genders quite frequently. That's true. It's confusing these days, as Bowie said. We've gone off topic. <laughs> Sorry. Um, all right. So uh, now that that is, in fact, a wrap for this episode. We got one in the book, sir. We've got one under the belt. Um, next Saturday, though, is the uh, as we're recording this is the day after the uh, the Xmas or the Christmas or whatever uh, you want to call is it. it. The Boxing Day. Uh, one of those things. Yes. Uh, a holiday of some sort. Am I going um, to watch an ice hockey game in Sheffield that day? Because I've forgotten. Um, I think so. Sorry, I don't know. Off-air conversations on air. That's what we like to do, but uh, I, I forget. Quite possibly. I think that's what's going on. Um, so we might be aiming for maybe like the first Saturday in January or something like that. We'll give it, we're going to give everybody plenty of time to go watch these episodes. Um, and then we'll come back and discuss it. So, yeah, we will, uh, we will return with Aurora in tow. And don't uh, forget. If you want to add, because this is on, is this uh, this is on the free um, strand at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, this is going to be on the free stream. It'll be available on the premium website as well. But we're going to make it. We're going to put it on the uh, on the free. Uh, actually, you know what? I, I'm I don't know. Uh, yeah, you know what? I'm going to put it probably on uh, on the mothership website as well. But it's going to yeah. also be available on the premium thing. So this way, I don't have to go add it later. In which case, uh, for people who have um, podcast catchers and don't listen to things on their computer, so if you have an iPhone and you're a premium uh, subscriber, or indeed an Android phone, you're a premium subscriber, on the Cinema Geekly website, we've now got instructions, including a helpful little video showing you how to do what Apple don't want you to do, uh, which is how to use premium subscription podcasts on your iPhone and indeed on your Android phone. Correct. They're there, and they're very helpful. 
Correct. The RSS uh, tag for this is, I believe, TrekPod. Uh, nice. So yeah, this will be this will be available on the uh, the free stream for everybody, and it will also be available on the uh, Cinema Geekly Premium. So it doesn't really matter how you're catching our podcasts. Um, it'll probably show up twice. Let's have uh, some Star Trek uh, um, mailbag stuff because the the thing about Star Trek fans is they're a vocal lot. Oh, yes. Should we see if we can hear from some people about this, this show? Oh, absolutely. Uh, info at cinemageekly.com. I mean, I mentioned it earlier. If there's anything you want to add to the discussions, uh, we listed the episodes we are uh, going to be discussing. Uh, if anybody out there uh, checking these out want to add in their two bits on these episodes or maybe list uh, episodes that we should have picked, like what your favorite <laughs> episodes from that season are instead, let us know because you would be to... most welcome. If you want to score how rapey Khan was in Space Seed, then Very. that's another thing you can email. Oh, he really was, like, yeah. super rapey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on a scale of one to David Tennant and Jessica Jones. <laughs> how oh, rapey. He, he was, I think he was rapier than that. Oh, maybe he was. Maybe. Mm. Um, maybe in a less uh, overt sense, because he didn't really rape anybody on Space Seed, but... Boy, did he, he come was, off he rapey. Was, he, he was really about to try, though, wasn't he? <laughs> he sure was. Mm. Uh, all right. Uh, so for Ben Knight, I'm Anthony Lewis. We'll come back next week with Aurora with us as well to discuss Star Trek, the original series, season one. <laughs> <laughs>